episode 552 of Good Luck High Five. That's right. You're listening to a podcast that's for you if you play Magic the Gathering. Whether you're a goof or you're a very serious person. Or a goof troop. Oh, yeah. If you're a full goof troop. <laughs> if you means. are five animated characters yeah. from the Goofy movie. You know, I'll be honest. <laughs> Haven't really seen the Goofy movie. Goofy, Goofy, it bothers me. I find Goofy mildly disturbing. That's all. Uh, in the same way that people find Jar Jar Binks disturbing, is that the kind of level uh, we're at here? Gosh, I don't know because I feel like when people say they find Jar Jar Binks disturbing, they're talking yeah. about how they dislike him. Yeah, and I'm not talking about an a feeling of dislike. I'm feeling. I'm talking about a feeling of deep unease. <laughs> When confronted with Goofy, the way Goofy looks and the way Goofy speaks. Oh, a deep unease. I mean, uh, that's, I am, you know, I'm just talking about my natural reaction that I have. Is it the turtleneck vest combo? Yeah, it's not helping. Not I helping. mean, if this character were to show up as when you're a child in the middle of the night, even as an adult in the middle of the night in your room, you, you would be, be terrified. More scary than I would yeah. like to say any Disney character. <laughs> You tell me. I a, think it'd be pretty spooked. <laughs> a character you would be more spooked by if it were to be looming over you as in the middle you slumbered of the night. Like in, the, in the middle of the night. Pretty nightmare. I don't think. I think it's the worst. <laughs> <laughs> I don't disagree. Well, you I'm know. one of your hosts, Megan. <laughs> I'm one of your hosts, Maria. And on today's episode, in addition to talking about how disturbing Goofy is or is not. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we're going to talk about lots of magic stuff. We're also going to talk about Mark Rosewater's state of the game from yes. the last year. Yes. I love his state of the game articles. Uh, what he does is go over all of the successes and lessons they've learned mm -hmm. from the past few sets. And uh, specifically, he dives into to those sets and says this is what worked this is what people didn't like and this is how we're going to address it in the future so i think it's really interesting look at the year that was in magic and what we can kind of expect wizards to approach magic like in the future yeah and then we also have a very special new and for this set right now only lord of the rings flavor text theater very exciting very i'm very excited for it i think it's going to be very dumb flavor text theater Fan fiction. That's right. That's your preview, okay? Uh, so we're going to give you, we're going to open this, uh, a collector booster of Lord of the Rings. No big Ooh. deal. No and big pitch deal. some fan fiction for you. <laughs> <laughs> but before we do any of that, a huge thank you to everybody who makes this show happen every single week by being a patron of ours over on patreon.com slash GLHF magic. That's right. If you have become a patron in the past week, we will thank you next week yes. because we're recording this a little bit ahead of time because I'm going to visit my family. Yeah. Um, but know that this episode is for you. You know in your heart. You get two, you honestly. Exactly. You know that in your heart that this one's for you. And then the next one, we will make a bad pun of your name yes. and say it's for you. Yes, absolutely. So we've got you We've got you waiting a week, but that I think only heightens exactly. the suspense of what kind of pun you'll get on what your name. What kind of pun? Will it, will it be improved by the time we had to think mm, about it? That's a good question. I can guarantee you absolutely not. <laughs> And, and if anything, it's going to get it's, worse. If anything, but we're going to overthink it, and it's going to be it's going to be pretty bad. In my opinion, a bad pun is better than a good pun. Oh yeah, sometimes good puns are just upsetting. <laughs> kind of like goofy. Kind of like goofy. <laughs> kind of like goofy. Maybe that's part of the you know we're identifying a Megan universe of upsettingness. Oh yeah, and living in there are good puns and, and goofy. goofy. Do you want to put anything else into that well, universe? Well, we've already talked about something that we disagree on. <laughs> What's that? David Duchovny's face. Oh yeah. <laughs> 
Megan was like, you know what I find upsetting? David Duchovny's face. I don't like it. And I was like, I cannot agree with you. <laughs> so sorry. Because <laughs> you're watching X-Files for the first time. I am. It's so good. Oh, God. It's really it's great. excellent. Where um, are you right I'm now? I'm not about a David Duchovny's face. Okay, so I just watched the truly excellent episode in season one. Um, the one where, uh, spoiler alert, for, yeah, a, for a show that's a decade. 30 years. Uh, you've had three Th- decades. Three decades. Um, where Scully's dad dies. Yeah. And it's the one where there's like the guy on death row that Mulder helped put, <sighs> like helped capture who's having like visions of, of kidnapped teens. Yeah. That they're trying to save. It's It was really good. It's I one of the best ones so far. The, my position that episodes some of the episodes of the X-Files are among the best episodes of TV. I mean, that, have that ever episode been made. is excellent. Um, the guy who plays um, what's I forget the I forget the guy's name. Um, like the the murderer, but he's like so good. I believe that he's like been nominated for an Academy Award for other work that he's done. Oh, incredible. Also the Boggs, William Boggs. I oh, want yeah. to say his yeah. guy's name. Um, it was so terrifying. Yeah. Like it was Luther Lee Boggs. Yeah, yeah. Beyond the sea. This is the episode. It was like genuinely super disturbing. Like the episode was oh, yeah. really oh, good. Yeah. Oh, I highly recommend it. This is interesting to me looking through season one as well, because you're going to meet, Oh, you're going to meet another great character <laughs> coming up. Um, there's 24 episodes. Yeah. So much. <laughs> Do you remember those days? Yes. <laughs> yes. The days when you actually got 24 stinking episodes. Of something. It's great. Unreal. Um, anyways, it's so good, but <laughs> I'm like not what? a fan of David Duchovny's face. <laughs> <laughs> Maria and I have disagreed about in the past. Also, can we talk? I was thinking about it last night while we were watching it because in this episode, I think he says it twice. My we face like, is great. The, no, that quote. Yeah. By the way, my face is pretty good. Have you seen his, it? His nickname in the bureau, oh, like his like mean sp- nickname, spooky. is Spooky Mulder. Spooky. And so he says it sometimes as if it is supposed to be disparaging, but saying Spooky Mulder is. No, it's a great nickname. It's, it's a great nickname. It's not a bird in the slightest. It's also a compliment. Yeah. Because they're like, hey, you're really good at this. Exactly. <laughs> oh, it's like, oh, it's what they would believe uh, of spooky Mulder, right? And you're like, you can't say that with a straight face these days. You couldn't spooky. call your walk around calling yourself spooky Mulder. <laughs> Anyways, this is not uh, Great. I'm obviously here for it. <laughs> Go so through good. all the seasons. So good. Even the bad ones. Let's go. Buckle yeah. up. But cups um anyway patreon.com <laughs> slash glhf magic <laughs> support us talking about magic together or talking uh, about david company <laughs> so our other sponsor we have to thank um is david company's face wow can you believe his face just okay, okay just kidding car oh, kingdom.com I mean, we're really making it relevant again <laughs> slash glhf Go there to get whatever you need for your magical life. You can pre-order Wilds of Eldraine right now. David Duchovny is going to be like, why are my Google alerts popping (laughs) off right now? Magic podcast roasts David Duchovny's face. (laughs) Cardkingdom.com slash GLHF. The best place to go if you want to buy magic cards. Wow, simultaneously roasting David Duchovny's face. Yeah, they don't. Or they don't, they don't care. Case. They're either way. They'll be there by your side, no Card matter King- where you fall in the face spectrum. Card Kingdom, David Duchovny neutral. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, before we kick into our main topic, Megan, I have to ask you yeah. if you know what is going to make him even more disturbing. Goofy's original name was trivia Uh-oh. for you here. 
Oh, no. I've prefaced it with a clue in that I find it <laughs> highly, highly problematic. Uh-oh. <laughs> no, not in that way. The way that it just made, you're just like, what? Okay, well, let's hear it. What do you think it is? And then there was another name he was known under in the 1950s cartoon, which I also hate. So you've got two I'm options. I'm going to go with Woogie. <laughs> Woogie is, is a terrible name. No, yeah. <laughs> originally known as Dippy Dog, spelled D-A-W-G. <laughs> no. And in the no. 1950s cartoons, he usually played a character called George G. Geef, spelled G-E-E-F. <laughs> I, I'm going to name every improv character that I do from now until the end of the world George Geef now. <laughs> In 2000s era's comics, the character's full name has occasionally been given as Goofus D. Dog, still spelled D A W G. Anyway, um, oh, oh my goodness, truly horrific. Um, the oh same design. All right, do you know what? We can get back on topic, or we could not. What do you What do you have to say? Basketball. <laughs> no. Megan's coming at us with a stealth basketball update. That's right. Okay, it's not a basketball update because oh. I just watched Hoop Dreams for oh. the first time in my life. <laughs> I thought we were back in season. No. This is how little I know about basketball. It's not in season right now. Okay. Um, in fact, nothing's happening in basketball right now. That's how little there is. Uh, like, trades are over. Season hasn't started. Anyways. People are just chilling out. If you have not seen the uh, 1991 documentary Hoop Dreams, Hoop Dreams. You, should, you should watch it. You, no matter if you care about basketball or not, honestly, it is an outstanding documentary filmed over five years. It follows like two um, high school students in Chicago um, who are aspiring like professional basketball players. And it's just so good. Anyways, that's my pitch. I hope you can all hear the construction sounds (laughs) coming through our podcast. If you can't, um, what we're our roommate yeah. is building stuff for the Minnesota State Fair. Very exciting. Pretty cool. That's what that is. So, but anyways. yes, Hoop Dreams. Hoop it's Dreams. so good. Have Check you it seen out. It? Check it out. Yeah, but it was a long time ago. I mean, I highly recommend watching it again. I will watch it again sometime in the future because there's so much to think about. Like they, oh man, it was really good. That's all. My former boss was the producer of that. Oh, it's amazing. Yeah, she was pretty cool. Very cool. Anyway, Hoop Great Dreams. <laughs> Absolutely aghast that it was neither no- no- nominated for best documentary nor best film, and multiple people at the time were like, "This is the best movie that came out this yeah, year." Yeah, yeah. And well, I mean, because of that, she got like probably thirty more documentaries produced. Yeah, which I'm is sure. kind of cool. So at least that I mean, happened. that's yeah. I'm glad that that happened yeah. because. Oh my goodness! Just go watch it, um, and then, and then you can message me about it. Honestly, yeah. <laughs> like get in the get Discord, Discord and talk to me about hoop dreams, and I'll be so happy. <laughs> I can't even tell you how many hours I spent talking about hoop dreams in the past two days. Great. <laughs> okay, we can keep moving. All right, moving on to the state of design, twenty twenty three. Mark Rosewater has been writing this column uh, for. I think eight. He's written eighteen of them. Yes, this is his twentieth anniversary as head designer. Isn't that wild? Can you imagine doing something for twenty years? Honestly, no. When I said, and it's, I said Maria, something, we've been but doing I mean, this podcast for 10. ten. Yeah, that's true. And that, I mean, coming up on eleven. Coming up on eleven, and he's been doing this job for twenty years. Blows my mind. Just, just incredible. Yeah. Um. So the first thing that he's going to do is talk about the overall arc of magic over the past year. Uh, mm-hmm. Starting with the highlights. And when we're talking about the year, we're yes. talking about like Magic's kind of calendar year. Yeah. So we're talking about Dominaria United through March of the Machine and Aftermath. Yes, correct. So we're not, yeah, we're not so going to. So kind of like last year's summer set through the big set 
credits that closed out the story. This Magic year. exists on a different planet that has a faster calendar, <laughs> has a different calendar than mm-hmm. the Earth. So that's why that is occurring. Uh, so the first highlight Mark wants to point out is the sets managed to each have their own identity while telling a singular story. Yeah, I think that, that was pretty cool. Yeah, so he's referencing here the Phyrexian invasion, mm-hmm. multi, multi-invasion, multi I don't know what to call it, <laughs> multi-planar invasion, um, which was the arc for all of these sets um, and culminated in March of the Machine and then Aftermath, of course. Yeah. But each one felt a little different. Yeah. Um, and I think that is, that's an accurate read Very that. true. Absolutely. Like, Dominaria United had the feel of like Dominaria. We got to see all of these legendary figures that we're used to seeing. Yes. Um, see all these members of like the Gatewatch doing their thing. The Brothers War had that like very old school, right? Like the epic saga of the Brothers. Yeah, very kind of like for a long, 80s yeah. metal vibes. Exactly. Um, and then of course we had Phyrexia All Will Be One, which was very. F- Phyrexia, like that was the Phyrexia set. Leaning into Phyrexians, yep. Yep, and then March of the Machine, which had its own like multi-planar vibe. Yes. So, very cool. He says that I could show you four different Phyrexian cards from the four different sets and you would have a good chance at knowing which was from which set. Do you agree or disagree? I very strongly agree. Yeah, I agree with that They all had a very different feel. Uh, They said, we leaned well into nostalgia. Each set this year allowed us to dip into various elements of the game's past. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, of course, Dominaria, right? Oh, well, yeah. The the last time we went to Dominaria, everyone was like, oh my goodness, we're going back. out. A Magic's original plane. Yeah. Here we are. And so going, I feel like at this point, going back to Dominaria always feels like that return. Yes. To like, here here is the classic Magic plane. The plane of Magic. Uh, And then the Brothers War, I would say, is the one that's hitting hardest on the nostalgia Mm -hmm. factor because this is for, you know, in my opinion, kind of aimed at the old school players who know who the brothers are, who know what the Brothers War was all about because of the lore. Although I will say, I feel like Phyrexia All Will Be One also leaned into that, like, players like us who only have heard about Phyrexians, Phyrexian mana, like Phyrexians, (laughs) exactly, but we haven't experienced it yet. So there was something really cool about the nostalgia of that, of being like, oh, I've heard so much about this. But I've never. And now it's my first set to get to experience. Yes. Uh, And the third highlight overall was we were bold in set comp concepts. One of the complaints games get when they last long enough is that the game designers are just resting on their laurels and aren't pushing boundaries, but that wasn't the case this year. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I agree. I guess we're going to get more into that as we look at the sets individually. Yeah. Um, Also, I just want to be sad for a second. He calls Unfinity one of the biggest stumbles of the year, and I'm I'm sad about it. Uh, well, we'll get because yeah. I think Infinity is great. We'll d- we'll dive into it and see yeah. what he what he thinks is the stumble behind that in a minute. Um, and here are the lessons: three lessons, three successes, three lessons. The sets were a little too creatively insular. This is the flip side of the sets being so nostalgic. I think we are a little too insular in our themes. If you'd never heard of Dominaria, the Brothers War, or the Phyrexians, or if you weren't aware about all the planes in the multiverse, this year was a bit daunting. Yeah, I agree. And like they didn't, he mentions like they don't have a lot of, they didn't really have top down design right, in any like, of these sets. We, this these is were not all a fairy like, tale world. Exactly. This is not murder mystery world. It was more about this is like the foundational story of magic and the foundational ideas of magic of like, oh, there's planes. There's planeswalker sparks. There's all this stuff and we're building a story on top of that. You know, Which I, you know, it is like, I do feel like I noticed that a little bit, right? Um, I'm glad that we're going back to Eldraine because like that's such a fun 
top down. And we're yeah. talking about some of the stuff that comes out next year, like the top down murder mystery on right. Ravnica. Exactly. It's like, oh, yeah, I am really excited for that because it's going to give us a different vibe. Yeah, I think in this magic year that we have uh, laid out here, um, I mean, this is just two sides of the coin. We got the nostalgia factor. They hit on that huge for magic mm-hmm. fans. But on the other side, some people might have felt a little disenfranchised if they weren't familiar with all of this stuff. Yeah. Um, so in my opinion, I prefer years that are more stacked with top-down design sets just because yeah. that's my vibe. So c- the coming year, I'm way more excited for than this past year um, just because I wasn't as interested in the Brothers' War and Phyrexia and all that kind of stuff, even though I did think it was very cool. Yeah. So I think it just is a matter of taste, and I would just be curious to know like which overall for Magic is more successful. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the sets were more polarizing than normal. <laughs> well, we just talked about that there. Yeah. I mean, and it, Mark Rosewater even says, like, he thinks that cards, themes, and mechanics can be polarizing, but, like, an entire set, you need to be more careful about that uh, being I polarizing. See. Interesting. Well. So, like, especially the premiere sets, right? They want those to offer something to every kind of Magic player. I get it, so, but, but I yeah. really still want them to take risks on sets. Like, I mean, for example, I think Eldraine is something that you could call a polarizing set, don't you? Yeah. I mean, it's so cool. If you dislike it, you're wrong. <laughs> so there well, you go. Well, yeah. You now, know, but... I'm being polarizing to everyone <laughs> listening to this. So, you know, I don't know. Yeah. I, I hope that they don't take that one too hard because... I, I quite like when they really go all out on a set, even if it is a little bit alienating, because, yeah. I don't know, you can do a more broad set the next set you do. You just go back to Dominar. <laughs> <laughs> and finally, uh, there needs to be more synergy between sets. Well, that's a shocking thing for me to hear when we've j- just talked about how this whole thing was a Phyrexian yeah. arc. Yeah. Does he mean mechanically? Yes, yeah. we want consecutive sets to have some mechanical overlap so you can continue to update a deck as new sets come out. And I think they talked about this a little bit too when they said they're making the switch to rotation yes. being three years instead of two they were talking about looking for mechanics or things that they want decks to be doing that yeah. aren't quite getting there three years gives them more time to add in cards that will give that a boost so i see what they're talking about here right where it's like oh toxic only appeared in that one set right and so there's a toxic deck that was around for a little bit, but it also kind of faded into obscurity because there weren't other sets that came along that bolstered what that deck was trying to do because toxic was just in the one. That's why I'm excited about the longer rotation that we now have for standard Mm -hmm. and them specifically designing cards that they know are going to have to be cross set. Yeah. Otherwise, you know, kind of, it's not going to make a lot of sense because standard's going to last a longer, longer time. All right, let's transition into talking about the sets specifically and highlights and lessons learned, starting off with Dominaria United. Yeah. What was your um, overall feel of this set, Megan? I mean, I always love going back to Dominaria. Like, I love Dominaria as a plane. I just did I just did some of the Dominaria United flashback. Like, they had those drafts on Arena just recently. Yes. And I do remember, I was like, oh... I remember from the draft perspective, the set not being as wide open and kind of having as much to do as the first Dominaria, which was a little disappointing to me. I agree. But 
as a set, I do, like, I always love seeing those characters that are on Dominaria. Yeah, for sure. Um, we get sagas on Dominaria, so that's a huge yes. thing for me. I mean, that's where they were born. Um, I love the characters of Dominaria, mm-hmm. the art style of Dominaria, that stained glass kind of aesthetic. However, it was, for me, a bit of a letdown compared to our original Dominaria yeah. that we got. I um, wanted there to be, right, like, Domain, it turned out, like, I loved that we had Domain as a returning mechanic. That was one of the mechanics that's like, oh, I know this from, I want to say that it was in, like, a Modern Master yeah, set or yeah. something, but it hadn't been in a basic set since we've started playing, and it was so cool to get to play with it. Yes, I agree. Uh, so the highlights for Mark, uh, players enjoyed the invasion feel of that the set, and he means that they modeled this set after uh, the after Invasion, which mm-hmm. was a set that followed a new Phyrexian invasion. Um, so with Kicker, Domain, and the theme of splashing colors, it did a lot to mechanically call back to Invasion in this set, and a lot of players appreciated that. I had no idea, so yeah. <laughs> I can't say I did, but that's, fi- that's fair. Exactly. Uh, the many references to the past were appreciated, he says about this. Um, and this is kind of what I was talking about, right? Like the having lots of nods the to legends, characters. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Karn. <laughs> so I know Karn. Big big Karn fans. Love seeing a Karn. The set had enjoyable limited play. Um, I I don't know if I agree with that, but... I mean, it did have... I did remember this, and when I drafted it recently, I drafted the uh, Wing Mantle Chaplain deck. Oh, yeah, the Wing Mantle Chaplain deck, that's the one. The Defender deck is sick. The Defender deck is sick, and he calls it out here as being like the number one limited archetype people are talking about because it it was was so good. I will say that that was legit and super fun and cool. Yes. Where the other ones, you know... I wish that there had been more domain decks that got to do their thing like in in a really effective way. Lessons. The set felt generic for some players. I agree with this 100%. Felt a little generic. Where I didn't feel that with the first Dominaria. No. The first Dominaria just had... It was so... I mean, the first Dominaria just... It was so ...was good. very, very cool. Um, and there was stuff where it's like, right, like, even at the Pro Tour, we got to see new draft strategies that we hadn't seen yet, yeah. even though the set had been out for a while. And this didn't have that vibe. Yeah, he said it just didn't have much innovation, so the mechanics of the set, to remind you, were enlist, read-ahead, domain, kicker, and stun counters. And when I'm just reading that list, I'm like, yeah, there is no innovation there as far as yeah. mechanics are concerned. And I think with our first Dominaria visit, we got such a huge boost with uh, with Sagas that we just we just couldn't live, it up, live up to it this time. Yeah. Um, the set had a number of flavor-related issues, which was just kind of like, yeah, right? Like, there wasn't as much lore around some of the characters. We didn't get to really see them do their thing as much. Other players complained that the sleeper agent element, uh, which was key to the story, was not represented in the set. Yeah. And people want more weather-like crew. Well, yeah, yeah. people are always going to want more weather-like. Exactly. I feel like we didn't get to see enough slime foot. If there were more sleeper agents, you could have had a mechanic built around sleeper agents. You know yeah. what I mean? Like you turn into a Phyrexian. Or if you had more <clears> slime foot, <throat> you have more slime foot. You know? Like if you just have more slime I foot. I mean, yeah, you can always have more slime foot. Yeah. Uh, and then Limited had some issues. Well, what? Well, I'm going to scroll back up. The set well, had enjoyable Limited play, and then Limited had some issues. Pick one. You know what? I, there could be both. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. There's, oh, they say there's some concern that there's a bit too much recursion. I do agree with that. There was a lot of ways to get stuff back from the graveyard. Yeah, there, there certainly was. 
Uh, moving on, here's we're going to answer your questions about Unfinity, I Megan. Know. So Mark Rosewater is a huge fan of Unsets, everybody, if you don't know. They're like his baby. Um, he was very excited about Unfinity, so let's look at his highlights. Many players love the flavor and humor of the set. It was delightful. The art was cool. The cards were fun. Like the We had Space Planeswalker Dog. Space Dog. Come on. What else do you want? To remind you, uh, this Unfinity set had no more silver borders for the first time in an unset. Oh, yeah. It had the little acorn uh, mm-hmm. hollow foil stamp instead. Uh, it had stickers and it had attractions. Oh, stickers. Yes. Stickers were great. And attraction. Anything that lets you build a second deck. I, I love the attractions. I thought yes. they were very cool. Um, we'll get to stickers in a minute because that is on his list. Yeah. Uh, there were a lot of positive comments about the set's limited play. Yeah. I mean, it was... The limited play was nuts. <laughs> it was it was so wild. We got to go play the, the pre-pre-release yes, for this. Yes, we did. Loading Ready Run. And, like, this this had some wild stuff. We watched a game happen under the table. Yeah, we saw an we, under the we table game. We watched a mini game, like mini a game. sub-game happen under the table. You played a game while... While, while Adam, Adam ate, ate rotisserie, rotisserie chicken, chicken in yep. front of me. It yep. was very... I feel like that's a great nod to the set. Well, it was... You weren't... <laughs> You weren't sitting there watching someone eat a rotisserie chicken, so. I remember playing a game with Mark when we were off camera and like it lasted like an hour. Yeah. <laughs> like it was so fun. And I, I know that even at the time it was because, right, it had gotten pushed. It was supposed to happen in April. It got pushed so far back. Yeah, it really did. And so did. it ended up stacked with all of this other stuff. That's like Warhammer literally like the same weekend, basically. Yeah. yeah. And they were like, oh, it's getting it's getting kind of run over. Also with the the Magic 30, like the boosters announcement Oh, yeah, and that stuff. controversy. It just kind of got rolled over by all that stuff. And I was so sad. Yeah. I am still so sad because I wanted people to play this because it was so fun. It was a very fun, limited yeah. environment. That is 100% true. And the final highlight he lists is some players appreciated that over half the cards were eternal legal. Yeah, and, I mean, why the, not? The first thing under lessons is other players greatly just yeah. like that. <laughs> Well, we got a 50-50 here. Yeah. Um, and they, they're also saying that they would have preferred the non-legal ones to be in silver border as opposed to the acorn. They're like, the acorn was a little too tricky to see. Yeah. Um, and you, I, kind of I like, don't have a dog in this fight, so I don't yeah. know what to say I about like it. I like playing with silver border cards, so I'll say that. Yeah, okay. Like, it's fun. Um, another lesson was the set had too much complexity. Both the main mechanics, stickers and attractions, require a lot of concentration to track. Do you know what? <clears> That's fair. Yeah. A lot of the set had one-off cards that ask you to care about things you don't normally care about, like hats yeah. or whatever. You um, know, I think I, I will go ahead and agree with this one. There was a lot going on. There was a lot going on. So maybe we could take like one fewer thing It could going have like on. simplified, yeah, simplified it down just a little bit. But I don't want to take a lot of it away from it because no. I think that's part of the unexperience is for um, weird, complex things to potentially happen to you yeah. in a game. You know what I mean? And finally, stickers had several logistical uh, issues. I'm uh, again. Do you know what? But they're so great. Sometimes to have a great thing, you have to put up with its flaws. Okay. <laughs> yeah, the stickers are a problem. I loved the idea of them in concept. Yeah, I loved putting them on the cards. It yes. was very fun. It was awesome. However, the problem is you could not reuse them, or if no. you had to take them off and put them on something yeah, else or whatever. It was like a mess. You just can't. It was a bad you time. just couldn't. Yeah. So what do you do? I don't know the answer to that. Yeah. Um. Anyway, I don't know, but it was great. Yeah, Gosh, they, it was they were great, great but. If you have not played any um, any Unfinity, like, honestly, just go find a box and get a draft together with some friends because what a good time. 
Great time. I do. I remember at the time people were complaining. They're like, wait a second. The sticker cards are eternal legal. Am I just going to have to always have a pack of stickers with me? <laughs> yes. If I'm playing in a turtle format. Get over yourself. <laughs> it was never going to happen. Yeah. <clears throat> um, but anyway, I loved the idea behind it. I loved how it could have been, but I yeah. just truly don't know until we invent a different kind of glue how it can how be possible. It happen. Yeah. <laughs> Moving on to the Brothers War. The Brothers War. Yeah. Highlights. Many players liked having a set that looked back at one of Magic's greatest stories. Yeah. Do you know what? It was really cool. Like we've talked about Urza and Mishra in the past. Yes. Um, and they are like they're you know they're in the history of Magic behind kind of everything, but. It was very cool to finally be like, oh, here's these cards you can play with. Here is a Mishra. Here is Urza. Yeah. Yeah. Um, when I first heard about the Brothers War being announced, uh, hold on. Before I say that, the uh, um, mechanics are prototype power stones, unearth and meld. Yeah. Um, when I when I first heard this announced, I had a feeling like, ooh, I don't know if this set is going to be for me because I'm just not as into that. Yeah. That was I'm my, not an artifacts person. That wasn't my, like, like, that was my gut reaction. And I feel like that's how I felt for the entirety of the set. But that's okay. Like, there's other sets that are for me, so I yeah. think that's totally fine. Uh, the mechanics were generally well-received. People liked Prototype. I agree yeah. with that. Prototype was very cool. Unearth on Artifacts was cool. Yeah. Or like a little archaeologist, like, unearthing these. Yeah. <laughs> and Power Stones finally got a mechanical identity for the first yeah. time in Magic, which is very neat. Very cool. I think Prototype was my favorite part of Brothers War because... Yeah. Prototype was very cool. It's just always great to have a card that can do more than yeah, one thing. exactly. And we upped our bonus sheet game. <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, it, okay, was, sure. it was cool. Um, lessons. The set was hard to connect to if you didn't know the source material. Okay, well, there's my... Uh, yeah, that's fair. That's my that complaint realized right there. Uh, limited was a bit fast for a set with a theme of giant robots. It was. That is accurate. That is very accurate. Yep. You just drafted a little fast red deck and killed your opponent. Boom, 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 boom. Yeah. And you didn't get to play your giant 8-8 or whatever. Exactly. And finally, the Transformer cards fell out of place. So this was a Transformer... Yeah. Yeah, there's transformer versions of the cards that you could open in set or collector boosters. Yeah. Um, I think that they're kind of saying here it was just like because this set ended up being about the nostalgia for so many players, it felt weird to be like, oh, here's another IP. Oh, sure. Being like, here's your nostalgia from your childhood. Just kidding. It's Transformer. Just kidding, it's exactly. <laughs> sure. I can understand that. Fine. I do think that the Transformer cards were cool looking, though. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think I ever opened one, but... Anyway, uh, moving on to Phyrexia, All Will Be One, which featured Toxic, Corrupted, Formiridin, and Oil Counters. <laughs> Highlights, players generally enjoyed the reworking of Poison. Absolutely. Yes, right? one, like, 100% in. Um, they went with Toxic instead of Infect. And like, it, yeah, Toxic was great. Um, and the, like, Corrupted, the thing that you want three poison three counters poison on your counters. opponent and then yeah. you unlock different bonuses on cards. Yes. Just very good. Yeah. Right? It made it so that, and they talked about this, but it made it so that even if your goal wasn't to kill your opponent with poison, you still got a bonus, bonus from the corrupted from strong yeah. poison, like a strong use of poison counters. One hundred percent. I yeah. think I think toxic is way way better than in fact corrupted was an awesome thing to be put in yeah. alongside of toxic and proliferate. Proliferate is just always fun as a mechanic. Agree. I love proliferate. Agree. Put more counters on things. I love it. Exactly. Um, then I you know this reminds me of something he mentioned earlier was there wasn't a lot of crossover from this set into the next one mm -hmm. or previous, which makes me sad because I love this stuff. Yeah. This uh, 
good. Yeah. I wanted more. These are good. I like the toxic deck. Do you remember the toxic deck that was in standard for a hot minute? It won like one tournament and then was gone forever. And I'm like, why? It was a really cool, mechanically unique standard thing that we could do. It was great. That just couldn't, wasn't strong enough because it wasn't supported by the sets around it. Yeah. Anyway. That's my soapbox. <laughs> <laughs> the use of oil counters created a unique environment that was appreciated. Like, yeah. It, I mean, you know. it's just a plus one, plus one counter. Exactly. Or, whatever, or it was like a counter, right, that like it, it had numerous functions. Yeah, we got we got stun counters up in Dominaria. Mm-hmm. So them exploring the area of different kinds of counters that have, you know, different functional uses, yeah. I think is cool. Um, but there, as he's saying, like oil counters also made something like another great use for proliferate. Sure. Right? Yeah. Something that cared about oil counters. Um, you could, yeah, put more on. And the final uh, highlight, the Phyrexian feel permeated throughout the set. The Phyrexians are Magic's oldest villains, premiering yeah. in the second ever expansion, Antiquities. I did not know that's when they came in. Yeah. Um, many players enjoyed how the set truly captured the feel of the Phyrexians from the gameplay to the mechanical themes to the art. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, lessons learned from this set. The Phyrexian flavor was off-putting. <laughs> what the heck, Mark? I think that we're seeing a pattern, which is that some people like some things and some people don't like the same thing. Uh, while the Phyrexians are beloved by some, they're polarizing. I mean, yeah. there is a swath of players that disliked the set because it was too bleak and icky. Yeah. Well, I feel like if you're going to do a Phyrexian a set, while, that's what you got to do. Every once in a while, you need something that's bleak and icky. <laughs> Not in life, but in I was your like, art. Are you, are you uh, making a life reference here? No. No. Um, the set was too parasitic within the confines of standard. So they're saying that the mechanics really relied on other things in the set. This is exactly what you were just saying. Yeah. Like, if you were building a poison deck, you didn't really have access to other cards in standard. Yes. You were agreed. only working with... Phyrexia all will be one. Yeah, and this is a lesson that they've noted and they've already talked about changing. So I'm really yeah. excited to see what happens moving forward. And finally, limited was too fast. Once again. Yeah, this limited environment was fast. Two limited environments that were super fast back, back to, to back. back. That's gonna be a it's gonna be a low light for you. All right, moving on to our final uh, big set, temple set here of this year, March of the Machine. Mm-hmm. March of the Machine had battles, transforming double face cards, backup, and incubate. Yeah. Each one of those, I want to say, I think was great. Yes. And as I'm looking here at our list, I'm like, all four of those are are better than everything else that I read for every other set. They used all the good ones in this set. You think including Toxic? Toxic um, was well, good. yeah, but Toxic Corrupted but, was a pretty good pairing. Okay, that was good. That was good. It was. Yeah. it reminded me a lot. Well, no, you're right. Of in fact, yeah. but I'm just saying, I think they put all their bangers in one banger I basket. Mean the, <laughs> <laughs> the battles. I mean, I, Barge of the Machine for me is like a hit specifically because battles were cool. Yeah, of course they worked. Right? Like, yeah. they like sagas. You're like, this is sick. And I like it. We knew about battles for a while, but yeah. we didn't know what they did, mm-hmm. which was a huge hype because yeah. we were like, we saw battles on the, the text, like this magic card type battle, and we're like, on a card, but we hadn't been announced what they were. And we're like, what is it? We tried to guess. I tried to guess. Everybody yeah. was wrong. Um, um, and the, I was happy with what they came up with. Yeah. The Praetors that turned into sagas on their backside. Great. So cool. Very, very powerful. Very cool. Like, those were so sick um it was yeah you know what it was great backup i think was also very good very very simple but totally serviceable and like one of the stronger right just like 
counters mechanics. Yeah, right. Um, they talk about this, and I was like, right, the counters mechanics can can be pretty hit or miss. But we didn't have any proliferate in March of the Machine with backup mm-hmm. that we had had uh, in previous sets. Yeah. So we couldn't really do that, which was I, I was a little sad about personally because I think that would have been cool to play with backup and yeah. proliferate. But anyway, it wasn't there. And I'm going to put like a, a mechanic like enlist and backup in kind of the same category. Mm-hmm. They're, they're a way to, to buff an attacking creature if you want to mm-hmm. or... or and I think backup was so much better than Unlist. Yeah. And I can't really explain why, but I just feel like it was. Yeah, that's fair. And Incubate, which I love those eggs. Yeah. <laughs> um, the set had a fun limited environment. Yeah, it was a good time. Yep, agree. It was a fun, it was fun and limited. It had a lot of depth, making it very replayable, uh, yeah. says Mark. And the mechanics had good synergy with each other. Um, and many players loved the immense scope of the set, meaning like it, it referenced so many planes, right? It referenced planes that we've only kind of heard about. Yeah, we got to have battles on planes that we've never been yes. to. Segovia. Segovia. That's the one I was thinking They're so of. They're With the tiny little creatures. Yes. Love it. Pyrulia. I mean, this that's is... That's the one that's a Dyson Sphere I mean, that we learned. That's awesome. So cool. Um, yeah, it was very, very cool. Uh, and it was a culmination, you know, of our story arc. So yeah. it, it felt very big and epic, which I think was part of the... Um, part of the the point from yeah. this set they do say in lessons um the story f- was too big for one set oh. well some people were like yes this immense scope is great but also we could have we could have maybe seen it across one more set to get more cards for some of these big story moments so the battle like itself takes place over two sets instead yeah. of one like march of the machine is two sets sure yeah. i get it okay yeah i could see that uh as as well as a lesson here listed the phyrexians were too easily defeated Um, As the invasion and the response to the invasion all had to be done in a single set, it felt as if the Phyrexians lost almost instantaneously upon attacking. Yeah. Well, that's an interesting way to think about it, but I understand why they say that. Yeah, Yeah, totally. Because, like, they see it as in the scope of March of the Machine. Like, the true story of March of the Machine is... 90% 90% Phyrexians are invading and they're they're absolutely annihilating these planes. Yeah. And the last 10% is, oh, it, it gets saved. Yeah. But the when way that we perceive it, it right. because we get all of that at once, we don't see that it's 90-10. We see it as 50-50. Yeah, I agree. Or even less. So um, perhaps splitting that, that up a little bit better would tell that story yeah. uh, more effectively. And finally, Limited was too complex and a bit bomby. It was a bit bomby. I do remember that. Yes, I remember it being bomb heavy, but, you know. Yeah. I don't know. I still thought it was pretty cool. Um, that was that was uh, March of the Machine, Highlights and Lessons. And finally, we have March of the Machine Aftermath. You remember yeah. this little set? I don't. It's just a little baby. It's, <laughs> it's the story afterwards. 50 cards. It consists of 50 cards plus 180 alternate art treatments. Um, when you drafted this... The reason it felt like, I'm like, I don't remember it, is the impact felt so small because yeah. it was just one card put into one, the booster. Yeah. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> yeah. This replaced Alchemy, um, the Alchemy release, which is why yeah. it was done like this. But anyway. There was some fun, they, they mentioned, like, they players like that Watsi is experimenting, which I generally, right, like, we talk about we this all the time. Say. About how we would much rather them take a lot of swings yes. and miss really big sometimes yes. than never take the swing at all. Absolutely. Um, they say that a lot of players have asked us for years to produce sets without limited in mind, and this mm-hmm. is one of those. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I guess that you did do it. <laughs> but I thought of it as you're putting new cards into the limited environment, and I'm like, this didn't make a big enough impact. Yeah. 
<laughs> That's interesting. I was going to say lessons. The set was too small. They're like 50 cards was not enough. Yep. Yeah. Most players didn't like paying the same amount for fewer cards. Well, yeah, I mean, that's I not mean, a that shock. Makes sense. <laughs> uh, the set was sold as story focused, but not much happened story wise in the set. It was more like, oh, hey, remember? Um, or look, these planeswalkers lost their spark. <laughs> yeah. Um, Kenrith okay. and Queen Linden were killed. Yeah. Like, yeah. They were like, we wanted to see more aftermath. And a bunch of players seemed unhappy with certain planeswalkers losing their spark. Oh, man. That's just how it goes, though. That's just how it goes, though. I think you've got to have tragedy in your exactly. sets. Even if it cuts you to the quick. <laughs> um, I think that's that's a big part of it. And maybe there's ones that shouldn't have lost but did, but yeah. we could, you know, split hairs about it. But, yeah, um, yeah that, that doesn't bother me. So that's Mark's consensus, or <laughs> consensus, on everything that happened in yeah. the year of that was 2023. Overall... How do you feel about everything that happened? Just like your overall feeling out of 10. Okay. <laughs> I'm feeling out of 10. I loved going back to Phyrexia. Yeah. Like story wise, I was like a nine out of 10. Yeah. Maybe great 10 story. Out of 10. Great, great story. story. Great story. I felt like the draft environments were lacking over this past year. Yeah. Um, I, I noticed there was stuff like, especially I feel like coming out of, we had call time, Zendikar, um, and, uh, what's the other one? Oh, Kamigawa kind I of mean, all in like a big yeah. chunk. And those were three excellent bangers. draft sets. A lot of bangers in the banger so bucket. So much fun. Yeah. Yes. A lot of bangers in the banger basket. Um, basket. not a bucket. God, what am I saying? One, and like, if I'm looking at this list, I did not, I don't fondly remember. It's not a banger bucket right here. It's not a banger basket. <laughs> basket. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I think the overall take that I have is similar. I think the story was very cool. We got yeah. we got to hear it on Storytime with Megan, and it was a great story. We went into the past. We learned things about magic. Um, but looking here at these sets, I'm uh, I am underwhelmed by them because I think it felt so samey across yeah. everything. I understand the differences, and and they were there. And I could tell you about the difference Phyrexians if you showed me the cards. I could say they were from different sets, but I don't think that's the point. I think the point is that. Overall, the year felt like one long year. Yeah. As opposed to, oh, now it's the, you know, this holiday. Now it's this holiday. And I'm, I'm saying yeah. holiday and release of sets being like, oh, now we're going to Fairytale Land. Yeah. Now we're going to Murder Manor. Now we're going back to Dominaria. Yeah, you know I totally I mean? agree with what you're saying. I get what you're So yeah, that's that's my from. take um, of 2023. Yeah. The good news for me <laughs> is that the year ahead, and especially 2025, yeah. 2026, is what I'm most excited for, uh, looks like a huge yeah. basket of bangers so <laughs> very, very people in britain are another, like another why are they talking basket. about sausages so talking much? About, <laughs> this is like an american dish where you just eat a basket of sausages it's like nathan's hot dog eating contest except they're all very thick british sausages i'm, I'm not sorry to say anything sorry else about this topic <laughs> <laughs> i'm not talking about this anymore Alright everybody, uh, we're going to skip story time for this week. We'll revisit it next week. Yes, because we are running out of time and we want to get you some fan fiction. Fan fiction. It is time for some fan fiction. We're cracking this back, this back, this pack of Lord of the Rings, this collector boosty, by the way. Um, and we're going to pick a couple of cards and write a fanfic for you um, of the cards that we've pulled. Megan, have you ever tried your hand at writing some fan fiction? I never have. Well, today's the day. I know, I'm very excited. Maria, have you? 
I'm trying to think. I'm like you seem like you would seem like something I would do. Seems like I I did write a a big story in high school, but it was not fan fiction. It was just normal fiction. (laughs) But like I enjoy fan fiction. I recently got into reading fan fiction for the first time. Thanks to Our Flag Means Death, um, which was like by by far and away the most popular fan fiction on AO3. Anyway. Wow, I have a very classic. <laughs> oh, you've pair got a here. you've got a classic pairing. Yeah. Oh, are we gonna hear some slash fiction of Frodo <laughs> and Sam? <laughs> okay, um, I have Samwise the Stout Hardest, Stout Hearted, and Gollum Scheming Guide. <laughs> this um, has got to exist. This has got to exist. Do you think that there's a Sam and Gollum? Oh, like, of course there is. <laughs> of course there is. I'm Googling it right oh now. Oh, my God, no. Okay. But if I were Sam to write it. Sam and Frodo love story. No, it's Sam and Gollum. Oh, Gollum. What is Sam and Gollum? Wow. Where did my brain go? Uh, it was already there. Your brain was, <laughs> was already, already there, there. Maria. Okay. If I, were to, if I were to write a sweet love story. Oh, yeah, it exists. Between <laughs> Sam and Gollum. Um, it would be, of course, after the potatoes incident. Right? Um <laughs> Sorry, I just Googled it, and what I found did not disappoint. Let's just put it that way. Oh, no. What are you I mean, I, this is just the first thing that came up. Oh, uh, no. Anyway, okay. You can all imagine it. Um, all right. I'm going to give you a fan fiction. This one's going to be really out of left field, actually. Well, so I'm going to okay, give you okay. the Sam and Gollum. Okay. Um, Frodo has died. What? Frodo has died of food poisoning. Like <laughs> while they're decided. on the Yes, while they're way. on their way to Mount Doom. Wow. And so it is down to just Gollum <laughs> and Sam. Sam has to carry the ring? Yes. Sam is carrying the ring because obviously Gollum cannot. Okay. Um, and what we see is Sam obviously mourning Frodo. Like grieving yeah, for him, course. and Gollum is transformed by Sam's grieving. Oh. Um, it helps him find the humanity that he once lost. As Smeagol, as Smeagol, exactly. Oh. Even more so than in the book. Like this is like true reformation. <laughs> he does not lead them into the spooky spider lair. Um, instead, in the middle of the night, Gollum steals s- the ring away. Yeah, um, from Sam and takes it himself to Mount Doom. Oh, there's my that's Sam, very my nice. Sam and Gollum. So do they end up happily ever after? No, Gollum dies. <laughs> it's a tragedy. Yeah. It's a true love tragedy. Okay, wait, no. Sam goes back to the um goes back to the Shire, gets married, has all those kids, and then one day Gollum does show up. And, he's and like, Sam's like, I thought you died. And then there's like a glint in his eye and he's like, Remember those days? And <laughs> and Sam's just like, Yes. And there's a not knowing nod, and then they both go their and separate then they ways. Both go their separate ways. <laughs> That's really good. Uh, my fan fiction involves the Mirkwood spider. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay, I don't know if anybody's written about this, but yeah. here we go for the first time. Uh, so this Mirkwood spider, you know, is spooky. Um, everybody's scared of spider. Yeah, everyone's scared of spider. I mean, this spider... Um, is this is she loves you know like underling so it's not mm-hmm. even she loves so it's not like I'm the big bad spider of the Lord of the Rings it's just like I'm just a I'm just like um a, a thought like a, what do they call them um you know like like the gangsters who work for the big boss but aren't the big boss an underling I already yeah. said that okay yeah there's just an un- underling spider and like oh, well I'll never make it to top spider. <laughs> Because wow, I didn't realize sp- spiders were all trying to climb the corporate ladder. Oh yeah, big time. The corporate web. The corporate web. 
Every spider is trying to make it to the center of the corporate web. So Merkwood Spider wants to make it to the center of the corporate web, but is having a really, really hard time. Um, and what would happen to Merkwood? But a, a bunch of um, goblins um, find their way into the forest, into the Merkwood Spider's lair. And the Merkwood Spider entangles them in the web. And the goblins are like, hey, what's going on? We don't want to be entangled in a web. Um, we could work together. And the Merkwood Spider's like, what do you mean? And they're like, what if we were um, a polyamorous... Um, <laughs> I'm trying to think of the word for like six sex tuplets. Yeah, you're like a, a polyamorous spider sex tuple. Yeah, a polycule. We are a polycule of evil <laughs> living out here in the woods, climbing the corporate web. And the spider's like, oh, that sounds Can like you a. You type polycule of evil into your. into whatever yeah, website yeah, you're looking yeah, at for yeah. fanfic. Paul, Paul, I'm sure polycule is in here. Polycule of evil. <laughs> Did I spell polycule wrong? Yeah, I think that, no, I think that's correct. Uh, dictionary just doesn't understand. <laughs> well, the first story that came up is the devil's private life is life is none of your business. <laughs> Ryan. Ryan. <laughs> it's a very good title. Yes. Um, so they form a polycule of evil. Everyone, you know, right. is respectful of each other and they have a great time being evil in the forest together. Oh, nice. And it turns out that having all of these assistants helps the Merkwood spider to uh, rise to meet the day, rising the day here, um, and uh, work its way up the corporate web to rush the room and um, and become the, the big boss dethroning oh, Sheila. That's so nice that's for a story. the Merkwood spider. Yeah, and they live in their polycule in happiness and murder for the rest yeah. of their lives. Great. Yeah. Um, all right. This is a story about um, Arwen, mortal queen. Ooh. So this is obviously after she'd been married. Yes, now. she married. She married. She she human and mortal. Yeah. What a bummer. And now being mortal for the first time, she's having a midlife crisis. Yeah. I mean, yeah. As you do. So yeah, this is you, my it's gonna happen. This is my fanfic about Arwen having a midlife crisis. <laughs> After becoming mortal. Um, and she's, like, trying to, like, rediscover her passion for stuff. She's like, what yeah. do I want to do with my now one limited life? It's not enough to be queen of stuff. I've got it. Being queen is not interesting. It's for her. She's thousands like, of years exactly. old. Exactly. She's like, I'm an elf. How I want to go. I want to go, you know, make things with my hand. I want to make trees grow and, like, crumble mountains or whatever. Um, and so she goes and she, you know, the... The door, the doors of Moria oh. contact her, and they're like, "Look, we're really looking for a redesign of Moria. <laughs> Will you come help us, like, do a like a home makeover of the mines of Moria?" So this is Arwen That's and the doors purpose. of Durin, which is obviously where she starts <laughs> by redecorating the doors of Durin. Oh, that's great! As part of her midlife I love crisis, it. I will watch that on HGTV. There you all go. Day. Exactly. Arwen redecorates the mines of Moria. Arwen was two thousand nine hundred one years old. P.S. Like, can you imagine just being married to some dude after all that time? Absolutely You're like, not. <laughs> Are you kidding me? And like, I know no, no, he's a little you. older, but not that much older. He's like no. 80, 90 or whatever. No. And you're 2,901. You yeah. will have nothing. And I mean nothing to talk about. <laughs> oh, do you remember that meteor storm from a thousand years ago? No, uh, sweetheart. I wasn't alive. Oh, oh. God. All Another right. thing that we don't have in common. I guess now I have to eat food. <laughs> uh, okay, my um, fiction is... <laughs> 
This is a, a tale of woe. Oh, no. It's about someone from the Shire, a halfling who is having a great life in the Shire. Um, but, <laughs> you know, something occurs that give, gets them corrupted. And he's just like, I'm done with the Shire. I <laughs> wait, what do I want to do with this? I'm done with the Shire. I'm not into it anymore. Perhaps he lost out on a second breakfast and he was feeling very crabby. Yeah. Anyway, he makes his way to uh, Mordor <laughs> because he's like, there's other angry people here. I know what oh, I'll yeah. do. Oh, yeah. Do you know it's full of angry people? Mordor. Mordor. I mean, this is he's becoming incel <laughs> in this story. And in Mordor, he finds a weapon that he uses to bring back to the Shire and lay his devastation, which is the Mordor trebuchet. No! <laughs> wow, he trebuchets the Shire? Yeah. Yeah, it's dark. It is a very Rough. dark story written by someone going through a real hard teenage years. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, the delighted halfling and the Mordor trebuchet. <laughs> okay, so this starts with um, the council that's talking about what to do with the One Ring, right? Yeah. There's like Frodo and Gandalf and Elrond and Aragorn and like the dwarves and everybody, right? It's a whole council of people. Yeah. And while at Rivendell, while they're all talking about like what are we supposed to do with the ring, and they in my in this fanfic fiction they don't come into a decision yet um and they all go to sleep that night and then this the rest of this is like a dream sequence that like weaves together through the dream of one and into the dream of the next and then they realize that these aren't dreams necessarily it's the ring itself speaking to them while they're asleep and telling them what it wants them to do so it shows you know like gandalf like taking the ring and then he carries it for a journey and terrible things happen to him in his dream and then like like it wow. gets handed off to like you know it gets handed off to Frodo in his dream and then like it moves through that um, with ring sight. That's pretty. So it's cool. just like one long weird like dream, dream dream sequence that all of the council has about what what would happen to them if they had the ring in their possession. I would watch that as a ballet. Oh. I'm just gonna throw that you out know there. What? It does have a very balletic. Doesn't it seem like it yeah. could be a ballet? Mm-hmm. Um, my story is a little weird. Um, this one is down in the dredges of Archive of Our Own. It's Samwise Gamgee. So we had another Sam. Oh yeah. Everybody, we had this Sam. Um, is uh, <laughs> and his relationship with a piece of uh, wait. Okay, so Arwen's gift is my other car. Um, uh, what does she give him? The even star, or that's what she's giving right here. So yeah. it's his his relationship with this with this necklace, <laughs> where he becomes a gold and silver merchant in Hobbiton, oh. um, but has a very you know intimate re- relationship with the necklace that Arwen gave him. That's what it is. Okay, and that's that. And that's that. Um, let's see. We have the delighted. Just talking about the art. So we have we have like the tableau delighted halfling. Yeah, very which cool. Which is great. Um, we have this this Mary Esquire of Rohan. That's like the foil ring treatment. Is very very cool. I love that one. And the ring treatment on Sam too yeah, here on and both of these on Sams. both of the Sams. Yeah, I love this Arwen. By the way. Oh yeah, like this art or just the card in just general. Just the art. Everything. Yeah, that's a really pretty version of it. Um, great fictions, everybody. Yeah. If you want to read them, you know, you're going to have you to write can them. Write them. <laughs> but me, I'm going to dive into The Devil's Private Life is None of Your Business, Ryan. Tell me if that's any good. I would like to read it if it is. <laughs> Summary Satan, he was a puppet because why the hell not? Everything is a puppet now. God is a puppet. Why not the devil, too? If it isn't <laughs> Beef Boy Baraga, what brings you into my office unannounced today? Where Ryan makes a deal with the devil. I I do not know. 
Seems quite bad. <laughs> yep. Hey, everybody. That's this episode of Good Luck High Five. Thank you for hanging out yeah. and hearing some of our fan fanfic ideas. Um, you know, once again, if you want to write any of them, those ideas it's are up all you. up for grabs. They're for you. <laughs> they, are for, they are out there. Um, and also, um, thanks for re- recollecting, recollecting, that's the word, 2023 with us in yeah. our 2023 Magical Year in Review. We would love to know. Let us know down in the comments yeah. uh, if you're on YouTube or in the Discord if you're a patron. Um, your feel on what like what you thought of the sets of, Absolutely. of the last year. By the way, we met a patron from Good Luck High Five out in the wild. Yeah. Last night, it which was, great. was uh, uh, just so delightful. It was so delightful. Hello, and it was nice yeah. to meet you. Um, and uh, it's just small world. You know what I small mean? Small world, man. <laughs> small world. Uh, we'll be back next week. Thank you again to patrons. Yes, again, again, and to Card Kingdom, our wonderful sponsor. Yeah, you can become a patron, and perhaps we'll meet you out in the real world. That's right. Patreon.com/slash/glhfmagic is the place to go to become a fan of the show, an yeah. official fan of the show. TM. Are in a circle. TM. Copyright. Anything else? <laughs> See you Anything else. Next, next week. week.